This morning we're going to be uh, talking about uh, the uh, One Church, Reflections of Splendor. It's the next in our series where we're looking at uh, God and how, as we look at God, it somehow reflects and affects us as people. And this morning we're going to be talking about the church. You know, looking after your body is uh, everybody's mantra at the moment. Wherever you go, people are... Uh, trying to get fit. Uh, it's all important. And I've uh, stopped going to the gym, but I've started, I've started running. Well, running is probably a euphemism for what it actually is. Um, if they uh, bring a new event into the 2020 Tokyo Olympics called the 5,000-meter dawdle, um, then probably I'm a gold medal prospect. Because as I'm uh, running along, well, uh, walking fast along, um, there are moments where um, uh, you you end up dawdling. And so you talk to people, or a dog comes, and you pat the dog, or you come to a set of lights, and there's nothing coming uh, at the Pelican Crossing, but you press the button so you can stop and catch a breather. And then you jog sort of, sort of lightly like that and, until the lights go, and hopefully it takes a while, and then you catch your breath again. So dawdling is uh, what I do when I go running, as I try desperately to improve my body. I mean, the reality is that so many of us want to change our bodies. Some people even hate their bodies. There was a program this week that uh, Annie uh, made me watch, um, and it was uh, about anorexia nervosa. And uh, I was just talking about the state people get into in terms of their thinking about their body and what they think about their body. And it was, it was tragic. It was really sad. I remember as, uh, when I was in university, I had a, a friend who uh, was anorexic and Uh, she hated what she looked like. She hated her arms and her legs and used to cover them up. And they were were like sticks. No, really hated her body. What we think about our body is important. This morning, we're going to talk about Jesus' body. And I want to tell you, it's complicated. I was thinking about it this week. So, Jesus always existed but didn't have a body. He now does have a body, but you can't see it. He had a body which was buried, but which disappeared and which no one could find. He then reappeared with a new body, like the old body, but with extraordinary powers. He then disappeared again and went to heaven in this body but left another body behind. He is now the man with two bodies. All the above statements are true. Are you confused? Well, I'll give you about 20 minutes, and uh, hopefully we'll clarify some of that. Let's unpack a little bit about what Jesus' body is all about. We're going to read a passage from 1 Corinthians And this is what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it will come up in the screen behind me. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. 
For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body's not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. You see, there was a time when Jesus had no body. The Bible tells us that Jesus has always existed as part of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. God is one Yet his spirit has no body. Throughout eternity past, the three persons of the Godhead existed in perfect love and harmony. Then in one heaven-shocking moment, God the Father sent his Son to this sin-sick world with the aim of bringing the people that God loved back into relationship with himself. We heard that great verse from John 3.16 read to us earlier, referred to earlier by Nikki. Jesus became a man just like us. Phil Moore in his commentary series says this, because Jesus didn't used to have a body is why Christians get so excited about the incarnation when Jesus became a baby. Jesus lived in the body prepared by his Father for him. And whilst at the same time he remained completely God, he was also completely man. And at 33, he died on a Roman cross, crucified, an innocent man. In all of this, God was working out a bigger plan. Paul explains it like this. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, our rebellion against God, our living independently of God, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. We could have a right standing with God. We could have a foundation on which we could stand, a solid foundation that we could stand on with God. We were hearing about this morning. Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of God and he was given a new indestructible body. And he ascended back to God the Father 40 days later, leaving behind 
a fledgling church. And of this church, Paul says, now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is part of it. The church is not just like a body. The church is a body. Jesus is the man with two bodies. He may now be in heaven in his resurrected body, but his other body, the church, is still on the earth today. And the first thing I want to remind us of this morning is that the church is one body. The church is one body. I mean, that's incredible when you think of the infighting between churches and denominations throughout history and in the world. John, last week, touched on the fact that we are baptized into one body by the Holy Spirit. The church should reflect something of the Trinity, of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, the Godhead. God is one, and this reflects in all that He does. But at the same time, God is three distinct persons. All are equally God, but with differing roles. And God created the church to reflect this unity in diversity to the world around. You see, God knits things together so that they're one. God knits together neutrons, electrons, and protons into atoms. God created them. God knit diverse things into one to create one atom. God joins together a man and a woman and knits them together in marriage to make them one flesh. God takes people from every tribe, language, and nation to make them into one church, one body. Sam Albury says this in his book, Connected. When you see someone walking your way, you don't say to yourself, here come 200 bones, 650 skeletal muscles, and 50 trillion cells. You say, here comes Jonathan, or here comes Bethany. You see the whole. You see, this is a challenge for us. You see, the church is a rich, rich, diverse mix of people of differing uh, backgrounds, differing cultures, yet who are all one in Christ. Our unity is showcased through our differences as each of us shows God's love to those around us in our own unique way. And here's the challenge of being one body. We are to remain one body. That's what Paul is effectively saying in this passage. What God puts together isn't meant to be separated. The process of separation releases huge destructive powers. When they split the atom, splitting the atom, what God had knit together, when they split the atom, it releases huge power. When marriages which are knit together by God are broken, it releases huge destructive powers power. Some of you know what that feels like personally. Some of you have experienced that. And the church is meant to be unified together. It's not meant to be separated and split apart. That's why disunity in the church is so destructive. 
You see, the church, both locally and worldwide, is to be a reflection, a visible expression of God to this world. As Michael Green puts it, the only Christ men see is his people. And sadly, all too often what we portray is selfishness, envy, bitterness. It's no wonder that churches full of lukewarm believers are distasteful to Jesus. You read that in Revelation chapter 3. You see, Jesus is inextricably linked to his people, to his church, to his body. And when uh, uh, Paul, the uh, Apostle Paul, when he was, before he became a, a follower of Jesus, he was persecuting the church. He was persecuting Christians, throwing them in prison, having some of them stoned and killed. And Jesus accosts him, catches him on the Damascus Road, and he falls to his knees, and Jesus speaks to him, and he says, who are you? And Jesus says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Well, he wasn't persecuting Jesus. He thought he was just persecuting the church. He didn't realize he was persecuting God. But Jesus says, I am inextricably linked with my people, with my church, with my body. He is the head of his body. That's what we're told in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. We're not to be aimlessly running around. As a church, Jesus wants us to have his mind in all that we do. Paul says this, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And if we get this right, it will change our attitude to others, to the world around us. It will change the way we behave. This is how we should behave. Just listen to this from Philippians chapter 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. What a challenge. What a challenge. One body. Secondly, we're one body with many parts. You see, the church is one body but is made up of many, many different people. Each person, each part is important. I remember uh, some years ago, I, I had a, a, a Saab and the gear stick was, was playing up a little bit. And uh, whilst Annie wasn't watching, I was in the, uh, sitting in the car playing with the, the well uh, where the, the gear stick was situated. And I managed to take it apart. And I managed to take the gear stick out. And when it came out, there were several bits that came with it. And I had them in my hand... And I'm, I'm starting to think, how difficult can this be? So I put them back in the way I thought they were. But unfortunately, I had two bits left over, little plastic bits. I thought, it can't be that bad, can it? So the car is facing the garage. Put the car, the car started. I put it into gear. Well, I could only get it into one gear first, forward, going forward. And it's going towards the garage door. I can't get it into reverse. Ah, these bits are important. 
So then I spent quite a while uh, taking it all back apart again and then putting it back together and trying to get it to work. Eventually, I managed to do it after about an hour and a half. All it was was me fiddling. I wasn't doing it. There was nothing. There was cars working before. I stopped it working by taking a part out. Eventually, by a miracle, I got it working again. And Annie said, you were a long time in the car. What were you doing? Oh, just sorting a few things out. Sorting a few things out. You see, little parts can cause them not, work, them not being in the right place, not working, can cause huge issues. You see, similarly, it's true of us in the church because we are all unique. Each one of us is unique. We're all part of a living, organic church where each person is needed for the church to function properly. We all have a unique role to play. Recently, we've, uh, Kevin uh, Pearson was, uh, was on duty on, on Alpha, and he's, he's basically on front desk duty. Or what that means is he's just managing the door because uh, whilst Alpha's going on, the door is unlocked, and people could come and go out, and we just need to have someone doing a bit of security on the door. For the last two weeks of Alpha, as he's been doing that, someone has walked by, stopped, come in, spoken to him, and come in and joined the Alpha course. Remarkable. If he hadn't been there, they would have just wandered on by. The fact that he was doing what? Our security for Alpha? What an unglamorous job. I tell you, what a great part to play. Well done, Kevin. Those of you who cook for our soup service on a Thursday night, well done. Well done. Couldn't do without you. As each of us do what only we can do, the church grows in maturity. And Jesus' desire is that we all reach unity in the faith and in knowledge of himself and become mature, attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Jesus Christ. That's what we're told in Ephesians chapter 4. So what is it only you can do? You see, together... Together, we are greater than the sum of our parts. You see, when Jesus walked the earth, he did incredible miracles. Jesus is in in heaven, and he hasn't changed one jot. We are his body on earth. He said we would do greater things than he did in John chapter 14, verse 12. He said, you'll do greater things than I did. Really? How can that be? Well, he's the head. We're his body. We can do more together than we ever dreamed of. I've watched a, a film over this last week, and it's called The Finest Hours, and it's uh, 1952. It's, uh, it's a story of a true rescue of 32 crew from the SS Pendleton. The boat literally split in part, in two. was stuck in uh, a storm, 60-foot waves, And these four guys get on a a lifeboat. They take the lifeboat out over something called the Chatham Bar, a sandbar. And the sandbar is the end of an estuary. And the estuary's water's coming out. And the storm, the sea storm is coming in. And when the the waves, these 60-foot waves are hitting the Chatham Bar, they rise and they crest and they break. And so taking a boat out is is death-defying. People just don't do that sort of thing. And these four guys in their 20s take this little boat out 
And they do it. It's remarkable what they do together. What they are able to do together. One of them on their own couldn't do it, but they, they did it together. God says we can do more together than we can apart. It's true. Each one of us fulfilling our role. You see, our unity attracts the blessing of God. There's something about us being together that God just loves. He loves the fact that we're different. He loves the fact that we're a bit quirky. He loves the fact that some of us are a little bit strange. He loves it. He loves the fact that we're together and that we are one in his son, Jesus Christ. We're one body with many parts. Yet each part has equal value. I remember when I was uh, the head of development control, that's part of the planning department, and uh, quite a a significant role, and uh, I got approached to join the Freemasons. My role was significant enough to warrant being asked to join the Freemasons, so I got taken out for lunch by someone who didn't know what was coming, and uh, they leaned across and said, I'd love to invite you to join the Freemasons, and um, uh, this person then eulogized about it, how it was great to be part of a family and looking after one another. And I just thought, I don't want anything to do. The only reason I was of value was because of what I did, my role. That isn't what the church is like. James warns us against discrimination. See, Roman society often talked about itself like a body, but saw some parts as being more important. Status was everything. What about us? The church comprises diverse but equally important people. We all belong. We read some of the verses earlier. I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. That's what Paul is saying. One of the greatest mistakes we make is to think we don't belong. If I had a £10 note for every time I heard someone say, I don't feel like I belong to this church, I'd be a rich man. I'd be a rich man. Many people drift from church to church falling for this lie. It's though though a, a part of the body has been amputated. When we distance ourselves from other Believers, everyone loses. The person misses out from accomplishing all that God has for them, and the church misses out too. Paul very simply says, just because we say we don't belong doesn't mean it's true. We may not feel like it, but we belong. We are all significant. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, because I'm not a hand, what? We're all significant. Every part of the body is significant. Too many of us think that we're not good enough, not important, that we're not needed. What can I do? If we fall for this, we'll stay on the fringes of church life and never get involved. Eventually, it will cause us to be disillusioned. And more importantly, the church will not function as God intended. You see, failure to use parts of the body causes... Atrophy causes muscle wastage and ultimately paralysis. If I stop using my, if I think, well, I don't need, I don't need my right arm. I don't need it anymore. I'm not going to use it. Waste of time. I'm going to use my left arm because that's the one that can take all the weight. I'm not going to use my right arm. What happens? Give it a couple of weeks. 
the muscle is wasted. The arm becomes powerless. Can't do virtually anything. Could probably not pick up a, a mug of coffee. Would really struggle if I just don't use it at all. Muscles just waste when they're not used. You are all significant. You all have a part to play, and the role you have to play is important as any other. We're all of equal value. See, none of it is an accident, because it's all part of God's intentional design. There was a, a, a film on yesterday. Um, it was a, a Mel Brooks film. It's a comedy. It's called Young Frankenstein. I saw it many, many years ago. It's a comedy. Um, and, and, and in it, it's a, it's a parody of the, the Frankenstein story about this guy who creates this monster from different parts and puts them together. And this monster comes to life, this uh, Frankenstein monster. The church is no Frankenstein monster, some random agglomeration of parts that sort of stomps around. Oh, oh. That, is, that, is, that is a nothing like God's beautiful bride for his son. His church, nothing like it at all. The church has been created and fashioned by God. It's been created by His Spirit. Paul says the Holy Spirit baptizes believers into the body of Christ, the same church. You see, we're all part of God's plan. You're not here by accident. God has made each one of us to be unique and distinctive with a part to play. You may not bring prophetic words on Sunday mornings. You may not be able to sing a song like Ellen did this morning so beautifully. You may not uh, feel that you can able to contribute in the same way on a Sunday morning. But I want to tell you what you bring is unique and is part of God's intended plan for us. It's vitally important whether it be your, the ability you bring to be friendly to other people that you've not met before. The ability to encourage others when they do something. The gift of being generous. Paul says that God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Listen to that. God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them. Well, that's not me. Sorry. God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them. Every one of them. Just as he wanted them to be. That means us. God wants us to get involved. We're all here with purpose. Only we can reach our neighbors. Only that we can share the good news about Jesus with our neighbors. I went fly fishing uh, the other day. A few of you were there. You will remember what a disaster I was. And going fishing, uh, it looks so easy. All you need is a rod and uh, uh, a fly, little fly on the end of it, and you flick it. It's just it's so easy. It's just like that. Just like that. Just goes out, and the fish goes, oh, lovely. And then the fish obediently comes to shore, and you take it out and whack it on the head. Easy. Couldn't be easy, could it? Well, let me tell you, I caught the fence twice behind me. In fact, that was the only bite I got, actually. 
It was quite solidly I caught the fence, and then I broke the rod. (laughs) £25. Marvellous. Let me tell you, it takes time. It takes good. You, you need, I needed people around me to help me. I needed people to teach me what to do. I needed other people. I couldn't do it by myself. You know, I love the street I live in. I love the people who live in my street. Annie and I love them. A lot of them older than us and some of them facing some really tough situations. We love them. We really desperately want them to come and know God the way that we do. Know Jesus. But, you know, we need you. You know, some of them are going to come along to the King's Chamber Orchestra the end of November. Some of them, they came last year and they said, we want to come again. And one of our neighbours is moving away and said, even if we've moved by then, we'll come back from Staffordshire just to come because we want to be there. You know, we need each other. We're part of this. I can't, we can't do this by ourselves. We need each other. See, Paul talks about mutual dependence. We do need each other. He, Paul says, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. I don't need you. Have you seen a, a puffer fish? Puffer fish just goes, when it faces danger, it just goes, puffs up like that. Just full of probably liquid, but sometimes we're full of hot air. Don't need other people. Who do we think that we are? We have sometimes such an overinflated opinion of ourselves. Can we do everything better than everyone else? You know, a swollen body part inhibits other parts of the body being effective. And that's true in the church. When we're overinflated, it stops others from making their contribution. When we think that we're God's gift, we're quick to put others down. Paul simply says this, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Jesus didn't consider equality with God as something to be grasped. Some of us need to have a right view of ourselves. Some of us have a too low view of ourselves and we disqualify ourselves from being able to do anything. Actually, you are doing the exact same when you do that as someone who has got an overinflated opinion of themselves. We need each other. We also, we, mustn't, we must never judge a book by its cover. Paul talks, he says this, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. He's saying weaker parts are indispensable. In the church, for uh, some, for whatever reason, uh, you think, oh, I, I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not important here. I, I'm, why, why would anyone, why would the church be interested in me? I want to say to you, two groups of people in particular, I want to say to students, you come away to university, you think, oh, it's not important being part of a local church. I want to tell you, I want to, tell you, I want to urge you, get stuck into a local church. Your contribution is important. We cannot do without you. You bring something unique. I want to encourage you, if, if you're not sure, find the right church for you. But if you know this is the place you get stuck in, come on our Foundations Day. Come and be part of this body here, this church, this local church. I want to say to you, those of you who are older in years, you may think, oh, I've got no part to play now. I want to tell you, re- retirement is not a Bible word. 
It just isn't a Bible word. I want to say you have much to give. You have the experience of years. You have wisdom. You have the opportunity to pray for the church in ways in, uh, that others don't because of the time you have. You can contribute. You can add value. You can reach your peers in a way that no one else can. I want to say each part has a part to play. Those parts that seem weaker are indispensable. This is what it says. Listen to this. Psalm 71 verse 18. Even when I'm old and gray, don't forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Even when I'm old and gray, don't forsake me till I declare your power to the next generation. If you're older in years, that's your calling. Declare God's power to those coming through. Never judge a book by its cover. See, we always honor each other. Paul talks about parts that are less honorable that we treat with special honor. You see, in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, each person of the Godhead honors the other. The Father honors the Son and the Spirit. The Son honors the Father and the Spirit. The Spirit honors the Father and the Son. Paul is saying that there are parts of the body which seem less honorable. Sometimes in a body, a body can have an injury which can leave a scar. Sometimes we want to hide scars from sight because we think they look ugly. Some, some of you here today will feel, that you know, I just need to hide away. I need to hide away at the back. I need to hide away where others can't see me because you feel full of shame. Things haven't worked out for you. Maybe life has been tough. Maybe you've failed. Maybe you've made mistakes. Maybe you've got things wrong. I want to tell you, we can look at scars in one of two ways. We can either look at them as something to be ashamed of, Or we can look at them as evidence of the grace of God. The grace of God. Paul had more scars than any of us can imagine. He was a blasphemer, a persecutor, someone who put Christians to death. He was a violent man. Rather, he used those things as an opportunity to talk about the grace of God that he'd received. He said, if God can do this for me, he can do it for any of you. Each of you has a part to play. See, sometimes in a body, there's a weeping sore. And that needs to be covered up to expose it. could result in infection and could harm the rest of the body. And, and sometimes there are moments where tough things happen. And, and as a body, we cover and we protect people and families and individuals and we do it because we want to protect them because we want them to be whole again and we want them to have time to heal up that's part of what happens we honor each other you see whether you like it or not we are one body we're to fiercely defend our unity And yet, because we're one body, there must be diversity. Each one of you has a different role to play. If we're all the same, if it's just uniform across the board, it isn't the church. It isn't the church of Jesus Christ. 
It's a cult. Because they've not understood. God's unity is seen in diversity. God wants to see it here amongst us. We must celebrate the diversity amongst us. We mustn't crave uniformity. Everyone in the church has different gifts from God. Every one of you here this morning is significant. God has arranged each one of us just as he wants us to be. We need each other. And the result is a great word. The word is synergy. It's the word for today. It's synergy. We can do more together than we can apart. There's something about our being knitted together that God uses to display something of his splendor to this world around us. That's what he wants to do in increasing measure in the days ahead. As I finish this morning, I'm going to ask the musicians to come up and join me. But I want to say to you, there's some of you here this morning who, maybe you're thinking, I really, I just, I want to be part of this body. I want to be part of this body. I want to be, I want to be in Christ. I want to give my life to him. I want to put my trust in him. Maybe you've had battles and doubts, but maybe today you're going, that's it. I want to do it. I want to, I want to do that. I want to be in Christ. I want to be part of this, this body that Steve's been talking about. There'll be an opportunity in a moment for you to respond. For some of you, the challenge is about baptism, being baptized. Get, come in, be part of the church here. Come on. Some of you I know need to be baptized. I want to encourage you to do it. Some of you I want to encourage, come and do our foundations course. Come and find out what it means to be part of the church. We've all we've got about 15 people signed up starting this Thursday night. I want to encourage you. Maybe you're a student or maybe you're a visitor. I want to say, if you're able to, come and join us on those three evenings if you're able to. Find out what it means to be part of the body here, the body of Jesus here, the church here, Hope Church. Maybe this morning you've found yourself, you've, you've, you feel like you're an arm that has just wasted away. You're still there, but it's just wasted, not functioning anymore, just hanging a bit limp, swing around a bit occasionally. That's you. God says, today's your day. Today's the day. Come on, start exercising that muscle again. You're part of this body. Those of you who feel like you've been amputated, it's time to come reconnect. God wants to reconnect you this morning. We are one body. If you know that God's been speaking to you this morning, I just want you to I just want you to stand right where you are right now. If you know that God's been speaking to you. Maybe you know that you've not given, you've held back from fulfilling all the things that perhaps getting involved in the way that you know you ought to. If you know that's you, I just want you to, right where you are, I just want to stand. I'm just going to pray for you right now and then we're all going to stand together and worship. So if you know that God's spoken to you this morning, right where you are, just for in this moment, so we'll close our eyes. You just stand there. I'm just going to pray for you. I'm not going to make you come to the front. I'm not going to make you do anything other than stand.
maybe you just know that you want to take that step. You want to say, I want to be part of this body. I just want to make it, I'm just going to stand. I want to pray for you. If you know that you need to get baptized, I'm going to pray for you. If you know that you've just been disconnected and want to reconnect, I want to pray for you very quickly. So let's just, just stand a couple of seconds and I'm going to pray. Father, I want to pray for each person who's just responding to you this morning. I pray, Father, that as they do that, you know what's going on in their hearts. For those who are taking that step in their heart, I want to give my life to you. I want to be part of this body. I want Jesus to be the head of my life. Lord, I pray, come by your spirit and break in right now into their hearts. Thank you for this step that they're taking. Father, for those who know they need to get baptized, for those who want to get connected in here specifically to this body, this church, Hope Church, Father, I pray that you would be on them, speak to them. Father, I pray as they uh, think of baptism and, and foundations, Lord God, I pray you'd work it out for them and speak to them in it. Holy Spirit, knit them in, I pray. For those who've been disconnected and are reconnecting, God, I pray this morning that you would do something significant in their hearts. For those who feel that they've uh, not functioned well, that they've almost become like a dead arm, God, I pray, Lord God, that you would meet with them this morning. I pray that they would, this morning, would be the start of them, starting to re-exercise muscle again. Lord, becoming part of the body here, becoming active, getting involved. Father, I pray that as a church, we would be one body, Many different parts, all of great value before you and to you. All, Father, with a great purpose and plan that you want us to fulfill in making a difference to this world around us, this community. Father, each of us need one another. We say we need one another. And Father, as a sign of our needing one another, we're just going to stand in your presence and worship you as we close to sing. Let's stand before him.